This short code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at MedEdMedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Code Podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews. By students, for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com. Welcome back to The Short Coat, a podcast of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler. Uh, and I'm here today with some giants, some titans, some gods of medical education. Uh, first up, we have MD-PhD student Aline Sanduk. Hello. Uh, next up, we have M4 Levi Endelman. Hey. Uh, M1 AJ Chowdhury has a mic. What's up? And M2 MD-PhD student Maddie Walleen has one as well. Hey. Uh, it's a cross-section of medical education today. Uh, the only thing we're, we're missing is M3, and who cares about them? They're all out doing their M3 things. Um, we don't need them. Actually, we do. That's not true. If you're listening and you're an M3, I'm sorry. I love you, too. Okay? Let's see. <laughs> uh, so thank you for joining me. Is it trying to cost us viewers out here? Yeah. Don't also, listen to Dave. We love you, M3s. Yes. Also, thank you. Uh, I, but, you know, thank you for joining me. Also, thank you to Sharon of Mount Juliet, Tennessee. Uh, she donated to the show after hearing our recent episode on students with chronic health conditions in med school. And when I wrote to say thanks and ask if there was a message she'd like to send out to listeners, she declined, said she didn't have one, just that she had a mom moment when listening and uh, that induced her to donate. So thank you, Sharon. I appreciate that. If you have that kind of moment listening to our show, you can donate to the shortcoat uh, at theshortcoat.com. Look for the orange donate button there. If you have a mom moment, if you have a if you have a if you have the urge to support us in our future endeavors, um, like live streaming, which is coming, I don't know when, but it's coming. Um, you know, look for that orange donate button and mash it and and give us a thousand dollars, or like two dollars. Yeah, it's it's a name your own price thing. You can you can name cents. your own amount. I'll take whatever I can get, but you know, I, the thousand would be nice. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> Maddie. What would you? Is it real? I would donate at least a thousand. Oh, okay. Yeah, at a least. Aline? I was uh I was gonna say this is a real shoot for the moon situation. Shoot for the moon's land yeah. somewhere among the I doubt someone's <laughs> gonna give us a thousand dollars, but if they do, that would be great. I should I should use the uh the um I don't know, save the children approach maybe and be like, if every one of you donated a thousand dollars I would have $24 million. We need some sad song playing in the background. Like, Realistically, I can spare you like my change cup holder, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. I can give you everything that's in that. I've got a whole bunch of pennies in the console of my car. I'll take them. I will take them. What even not, are pennies anymore? I'm not too proud. I can't remember the last time I've seen a penny. Some of them are probably worth four cents. <laughs> Just based on the copper content exclusively i think it's before 1981 before yeah really yeah i have like so many pennies my wife bought junk silver recently in a moment when she was like well the the whole world's going to hell in a handbasket i'd better get some precious metals (laughs) 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 junk silver is uh is is coins whose silver content exceeds their uh exceeds their face value um so basically she bought a bunch of silver coins 
um, hmm. as an investment. <laughs> For our listeners out there, though, it is illegal to deface United States no. currency. No, it's not. No? It is, well, it is It is illegal. Let's see. Let me see if I can get this right. <laughs> it is illegal to do so with the intent of counterfeiting that currency. Oh, so but you could do. You could, you know, take a million dollar bill and, and like burn it, but you can't take a $10 bill and try to turn it into a 20. You know what I'm saying? Mm. All right, but I'm, I'm not a lawyer, but I I believe that's correct. I'm getting at the idea of melting down coins for their precious metals. You could make a I've seen people, yes, you could do that, but I don't think there are any coins with precious metals anymore, or at least not the ones that are commonly in circulation. But I've seen people people on YouTube make rings out of them all the time. Yeah, yeah true. Uh, do whatever you want. If you want to make a Keep ring and donate it to the Short Code <laughs> podcast, you could do that. <laughs> If you want to propose to the show, we'll take it. That's right. Too proud. That's a lifelong commitment. <laughs> uh, the only one will accept. Also, Dave, edit this out, guys. If you see me like pointing my phone around, I, Dave asked me to take pictures and videos. Oh, you don't have to say that. They already know that I'm that I'm pushing the the photos lately. Oh, great. He has been, yeah. I have been. I want this soliciting photos. Yeah. <laughs> um, Maddie. Dave. I hear you're. Uh, I hear you're going to be starting your your MDP your PhD phase of your MD PhD dual degree. Yes, next summer. Um, first of all, and, and Aline here, she's already she's in it. She's she's she in may, it. She's she almost may, done. Yes, she may soon be done. I'm in deep. Hopefully done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I thought this would it's be a good. Not jinx idea. it. Yeah. I thought this would be a good a good time to talk about um, your fears. Yeah, that you have admitted to having. They yes, they do exist about this transition. Because here's what happens here at the University of Iowa in our in our medical scientist training program. Uh, you do the first 18 months of the curriculum just like anybody else. Yep. Then you do your internal medicine rotation. Yeah, you get to you get to pick which rotation you're going to do, but most of us do do either the internal med or the family med one because then during the PhD phase you can still kind of like try to upkeep your clinical skills by volunteering at like the free clinic. Right. And then so yeah, so then you you, you take uh, a couple of clerkships, maybe what, 8 weeks of clerkships. Um Yeah, I think it's ish, like 12. And then you go on and then you begin the PhD part of your journey. Yes, and then you you got to jam step in there too. We have to do step first. Oh, that's right. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Step 1. Yep. Um, so it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a change. It's a, it's a transition. Aline, how did that transition go for you? Um, it went fine. I think I don't remember anything particular, like any more traumatic about it than uh, any other part of med school. I remember um, back then you were like, Woo-hoo! I was going to, I was going to be understated about it. Cause I know a lot of people struggle with the med to grad transition. Cause I, I, I think I was a little unusual in that I, I like grad school a lot better than med school. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so depending on depending on how structured you like your day to be, I think some people really prefer med school. Some people really prefer grad school. My class predominantly liked med school better and was just uh, an emo parade in the first gra- year of grad school. <laughs> um, I call my class the Caligula class. Um, really, really unhappy with the. What's that? Sorry, bad joke. <laughs> so, did anybody have no, a no, horse? I wa- did anyone have a horse? It was a Caligula thing. Sorry, never mind. I. It's my mistake. I shouldn't 
Uh, I shouldn't make historical references I'm totally ignorant about, so thank you for calling me out. Um, no, <laughs> yeah, I don't. Hilarious. I don't know if your classmates would appreciate being known as the Caligula uh, class. Do we but... want to cut that out? Maybe. Yeah, they're. Well, I mean, <laughs> if, if they're if they're uh, if they're into sadomasochism, you know, that might. <laughs> We could leave well, it Well, based in. on them being the Caligula class, they might exhibit Caligula-like behavior and be really upset that I didn't yeah, say yeah. only the most positive thing. Yeah, maybe cut that out. But um, I'll think about that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. What but the uh, point being so, then? Uh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I, I think a lot of people like med school because it's very structured and you can plan your day out better because you know where you're gonna be and what you're doing and kind of it's very clear what's expected of you. Um, I really like grad school for the fact that it's a lot less structured. You have a lot more control over your day. Um, and you can plan your life out a little bit better because you you have so much more control. So I, I really liked that. Um, but yeah, I also see, have like a very low-key boss. So Those are kind of some of my fears, though, because I am one of those people. I like a structured day and I like knowing exactly what I have to do and when I have to do it. So the the daunting thing about grad school to me is kind of being in charge of my own schedule and time management is not one of my uh, strengths. So that's something that I'm very nervous about entering the grad school phase. Pretty reasonable. Yeah, very reasonable concern. I think you, you adjust pretty quickly because I don't think it's hard to get to the place where we've all gotten without being a little bit of a of self-starters, right? And like being a little bit of a, a go-getter. So like you'll, you'll definitely adjust, but it is a transition for sure. It's kind of, of it sounds kind of like a reversion in a way to, to the days when you were in, when you were a pre-med, right? Cause there is structure in that, but also, I mean, you still get to, you know, decide for instance, whether you're going to do this or that, um, as opposed to med school where, you know, your, every class is assigned, you, you know, you, you basically, Maybe you, if you're lucky, you get to find time for an elective or two. Yeah. I feel like there's more decisions involved in grad school than there are in medical yeah. school, where you kind of get told yes. what to do and you do it. Aline, how did you find your lab? Uh, so, yeah, that's a great story. Um, actually, not really. So I wasn't originally <laughs> an MSDP student. <laughs> I really oversold that and then backpedaled immediately. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was uh, I came here as a pure MD student and I worked in a lab uh, the first summer, the, the summer after our first year of med school. I really liked it. I, I felt like it was a good dynamic and I was very productive. And I was talking with my boss at the end of the summer about how I could come back for a longer period of time. And uh, he proposed applying to the MSTP as an internal applicant. And I was like, but I didn't know you could do that. And he was like, yeah, it's it happens. It's unusual. Um, we don't they don't take a ton of people every year, but if they have a little bit of leftover funding, it's kind of a good deal for them because med school is the most expensive part of the process for an MSTP. So if you pay for the first years of med school as yourself, they're like, yeah, all right, well, we'll take credit for your graduate work where someone else is going to pay you and then help you out with the last couple of years. Um, so, yeah, that was how that was how I did it. And then I kind of knew what lab I was going to go back to. But I, I knew for one thing, I don't do well with people breathing down my neck. I really like to be mm -hmm. left alone, like a lot. So John is extremely hands off. And I really liked that. And I've I've thrived in that setting, I think. Yeah, I've heard from multiple people that choosing the right lab for you can be or is obviously like a huge dictator about how your grad school experience goes. 
What are you interested in, Maddie? So I'm going to be getting my PhD in epidemiology. Mm-hmm. Which is um, kind of an exciting thing to be getting your PhD in. Yeah, right it's now. A good t- it feels like a good time for that. I mean, by the time you're done with it, um, we'll probably already had another epidemic. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> seem to be popping up all over the place. So yeah, it'll be epidemiology. Um, I'm specifically interested in cancer, though. So that's uh, the plan. I don't know what cancer. I don't know. I think uh, epidemiology is interesting because the principles of epidemiology can be applied to a lot of, or have been applied to a lot of things that we usually think of as societal problems as well. Things like even gun violence, you know, is it is amenable to the to the to epidemiology? I'm I've read. Yeah, yeah. There's plenty that you can apply epidemiology to. Um, so that's cool. That's cool. You'll be in demand. That's good. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm not too pleased about that, but you know, (laughs) that's good. Yeah, it'll be good. I'm I'm excited because epidemiology, I actually knew that I wanted to do epidemiology before I knew I wanted to go into medicine. So this is something that I've wanted to do for a long time and I'm really looking forward to like learning everything that I can about it. So that is exciting to me. However, I've really loved medical school and um I am very excited to get into clinic and leave preclinicals behind me, far behind me, uh, and you know, kind of apply those things that we've learned. So I'm, I'm kind of bummed that I'm only going to get to do the one rotation and then have to stop for a yeah. while. That's kind of the thing that's bumming me out a little bit because I have really enjoyed that part and I've been looking forward to that part. Um, well, like like Aline said, you can do things like mobile clinic. You right. Can, uh, yeah, you can definitely the free still medical still clinic. You'll get plenty more experience, I promise. <laughs> Levi's like, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, it's years from now, sure, but... Yeah. Oh, you yeah, like cake? Look. Here's 20,000 chocolate cakes for you. You better get cracking. <laughs> don't worry, you will... You, will die. you know, actually, I will say, to give a plug to the MSDB Clinical Connections, that's a really nice program that we have where like it's very low key the requirements are very very kind of minimal to give you total control over kind of what you do um, for your experience but we are required a little bit during our phd to spend some time in clinic exploring you know different specialties so um, but the expectations are so low so you can go and like actually examine patients or you can just shadow it's totally up to you so i like that. yeah yeah that is something that appealed to me about this program too and i know something that's interesting i hope you don't mind me asking is when i first met you you were interested in pathology so that was you know over a year ago and now it says you told me recently that you're kind of thinking about psych so that's interesting to me that you would kind of be thinking about different specialties in the time that you're in your um in lab so you want to talk a little bit about that yeah um yes I think I think I was uh, suffering from a little bit of uh, groupthink and peer pressure at that time because I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. But path path seems like a nice default because um, mm-hmm. it's it's good medicine, it's good science, um, it's a good lifestyle. Everybody's like, what do you it's mean a- default? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, well, <laughs> like by default, I don't mean inferior in any way or like a consolation. It's just like it. It's, I mean, who who would be mad being a pathologist? No one. It's a good it's specialty. A, it's a I think there's gig. a yeah. There's a it's a good gig. There's a lot to recommend it. Anyone who's ever met Dr. Yeah. Brooke knows pathology is where it's at. She's my advisor. Yay! She is such a joy. 
She's really cool. I, yeah, she was actually, I'm glad you mentioned her because she was a, an instructor that I came across early on in med school and was like, I don't know what you do, but I just want to be more like you. So, um, that was a big thing, but like a significant number of people in my MSTP class are like hardcore, um, shooting for pathology, uh, or at least less, less, uh, that conversation topic just came up, but, um, there was kind of a unique experience that I had while I was in grad school where, uh, it kind of shifted my interests a little bit. And I started looking at other things and I started to talk to people in, in the psych community. And I realized like, Oh, you, you're more like me than I realized. And I think I could really fit in here. And I just like the community a lot. Like every medical specialty has empathy as like the, you know, the central tenet, the foundation, but it's never been more apparent to me than in psych where like really the focus is on, I don't know, really softening the blow of suffering in life. So I love it. Yeah. Alina, I have a question for you. What specialties do MSTP students tend to gravitate towards in general? Is it usually pathology? Path is a big one. Um, Actually, I want to say internal med, I think by far is like the the dominant one, but you know, for obvious reasons, it's kind of like the undecided of med specialties, right? Uh, but yeah, path is a big one because it is kind of the place where you have the greatest chance of applying yeah, your scientific training because it, it is a lot like science, right? You you get a piece of tissue or like you know whatever whatever the question might be that someone is referring to you for, you know, you have to go conduct some tests, you know, consult the literature, talk with your colleagues to try and, you know, diagnose the thing. And then you're not as much involved in the care of the patient. You just like answer the question and then send it to someone else to actually implement the treatment. Um, and that's a, an awful lot like science, I think. That's so another nice sure. thing. There are some. Sorry. Oh, go ahead, Louis. Sorry. I was going to say another nice thing in path that kind of me- meshes well with, uh, you know, ha- having a PhD and potentially running a lab, your own laboratory is uh, in residency. There is actually part of the part of the residency curriculum is uh, dedicated laboratory management education, uh, which I can see being really useful. Which makes sense, especially if you're going to end up in academic medicine and yeah, and you might end up having a lab of your own and. And even in uh, uh, the uh, like a private practice setting, a lot of pathologists through uh, CLIA, Clinical Laboratory uh, Certifying Agency, end up, you know, at least in some capacity as like a surrogate lab director, or n- not a surrogate lab director, but you know, as as kind of that that figurehead of of a lab, so that uh, labs can be you know uh, compliant with regulations and whatnot. So just kind of understanding the underpinnings of running a lab. I think internal medicine makes a lot of sense, too, because internal medicine is a is a pretty is often a pretty cerebral specialty, no matter what area of internal medicine you go into. Right. I mean, it's very I mean, there's a lot of, you know, like in comparison to something like um, orthopedics, which is, you know, um, there is a fracture. I must fix it. Yeah. I mean, that's my (laughs) that's my impression. Anyway, carpentry for people. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's important too, but it's just a different. Um, it seems to me, from over the years, my conversations with people, it just seems like a different, a, a different mindset, a different specialty, um, in terms of how how people how they think about people. I don't know. What yeah, do no, know? you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, affirm my affirm my thoughts. Thank you. 
(laughs) (laughs) Happy to do it as often as you need. I think the thing that really helps people decide is really the community and like where you fit in. And I think some people are often surprised by the groups of people where they feel the most at home. And I guess it's not, it wasn't a surprise to me that I felt like I fit in with psychiatrists, but like, you know what the, actually the dead giveaway for me is that I subscribe to a bunch of like the professional orgs for all the different specialties and I get their emails and the ones I don't delete immediately are the psych ones. And that's kind of how I knew. (laughs) That's a novel method of picking your I would get it and be like, oh, I actually want to read about all of the things that you're talking about here. And so, you know, it's kind of a it's kind of a weird hack. But like maybe that's a thing to do if people are not sure, you know, what specialty they're interested in. That's not the worst idea I've ever heard. I mean, there's (laughs) there's there's worse ways to pick your your life, the trajectory of your life. No, I think that's a super good suggestion. And I think that's a great way to kind of keep up with the medicine side while you're doing grad school. So that's, that's originally why I did it. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, the psych ones I think are the ones that I, and I actually ended up joining the, the APA, like as a student member, which is free. And usually you can join these orgs almost for free if you're a student. So it's not a bad investment of time. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's nice when you finally find one of those specialties that intrinsically motivates you. That should be the idea, right? I mean, you're going to do it for the rest sure. of your life. Exactly. It's Unless you want to go back through residence, re, uh, matching and residency again, which I've seen, pe- seen people do. People do? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, oh. no shame in that, but it's uh, it must yeah, be so, a very wrenching decision to have yeah. to do it. Sometimes you, people do pick wrong, yeah. But, you know, there's this... There's a con- I was talking to someone about the sunk cost theory the other day of like, it's pointless to continue throwing any type of resource into a thing that you already know is not really working because you're not getting anything back, but you feel bad about not continuing on with it because of everything you've invested so far. But I mean, people, yeah, kind of what I was going to say is people do choose wrong sometimes and they get to a place, they find that they're horribly unhappy and no person should be unhappy for any amount of time if they can help it. And then it's kind of brave, actually, to be like, you know, this is not working for me. I think I'm going to go a different route and then swim uphill to get to that other place. It can be done. I guess I'd rather in that situation work hard to uh, change my life rather than work hard to like the life that I hate. (laughs) That would be that would be the thing that I hope I I would remember if I was in that situation. One is healthy. The other is Stockholm. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Strong advice. Strong words of advice. Any other questions that you might have for Aline? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. Or everyone. I mean, I'm not. I don't know. I don't know much more than any of you and anyone else, honestly. But but I'm glad that's that like any of, amount that's a sign of knowledge. Of, that's might. a sign of that's a sign of maturity right there. <laughs> when you when you finally reach the point in life when you're like, I don't know. It's it's a sign that I'm ready to graduate because I've I've achieved grad student nirvana, where I realized <laughs> the the more I read the less I know or the yeah. more aware of how much I don't know. I oh, do I feel like I'm there so, already. The, the more you, the more you learn, <laughs> yeah. the more you know, you don't know. Yeah. All right. Here's your honorary PhDs for all of you. <laughs> don't even worry about going to grad school. Thank You've achieved you. the most important lesson. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, you guys, today's show is brought to you by 
the United States of America. My friends, this show is going out on October 22nd. In 12 days, the citizens of this country will have cast their votes for public office. Ballot measures, judicial candidates, local officials, state legislators, U.S. House and Senate members, and of course, President of the United States. Uh, this and every Don't election forget. is... Go ahead. I was going to say, don't forget judges. Yeah, judges. Didn't I say Judges are also in ballot. I don't know. Uh, This and every election is important as the results determine the direction our country will move towards in the coming years. Look now, look, looking at our podcast stats, I know that you're all of voting age. Okay. Maybe, sure. Maybe there's a a, a 17 year old or a 16 year old out there, one or two. And if you are, I'd love to hear from you. Um, But you're, you're, you're voters, you're, you're potential voters. So, so. And I also know that medicine is political. Every day, politicians make decisions about your current and or future jobs as healthcare professionals. They make decisions on whether or not you'll be able to train for residency, how well or poorly you'll be paid, what treatments you're allowed to offer your patients, and even what you can say to them about those treatments in some cases. Uh, By voting, you have a say in that discussion, and just as voting is a decision, that you make about where you want this country to move, so is not voting. I would rather hear um, that you regretted your vote because things didn't turn out the way that you hoped they would uh, than that you didn't vote at all. Um, No matter what you think of the candidates, make a decision and regret nothing. Uh, There's no time to waste. Uh, So here's my four-step plan that I came up with all by myself uh, to participating in this critical American process. Number one, I didn't come up with this. What am I? I didn't come up with this. Number one, check your voter registration status at vote.org. Rules are different in different states, but Iowans, you have two days from the release of this episode uh, to go out and register. Step two, make your plan to vote early or by absentee ballot to limit your exposure to the corona or vote on November 30 at your polling place if that's what you want to do, if you can be safe doing that. Um, Iowans, you have two days to get your requests for absentee ballots to your county auditor. Uh, step three, do your research. Uh, ballot re- BallotReady.org and Ballotpedia, they could help you do that. Um, they will help you do that. Uh, they're helping me do that. Um, and on November 3rd, remember the people who have fought for the right to vote. Black Americans and women, for instance, have all fought for the right to vote. Don't waste your moment to help set your country on the right path. Vote. It's also brought to you. The Examine Life, I mean, the Shortcode Podcast is also brought to you by uh, the Examine Life Conference going on in cyberspace right now and through November 21st. We have a special last minute featured presenter added to the program just yesterday. Samuel Shem is the author of The House of God, a book that is well known to many in medicine, a satirical look at the intern year and at medicine as a whole. Uh, and of the 2019 sequel to House of God, Man's Fourth Best Hospital. Uh, the event is free, it's virtual, it's open to anyone. Uh, on Monday, October 26th at 7 p.m. Central. Visit examinelifeconference.com to RSVP and get your link to that. Have you read House of God? Anybody? I'm not. It used to be like one of those books that everybody read. I mean, it came out in 1978. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, if you know terms like um, uh, Gomer and turfing (laughs) um, and things like that, um, it's probably because of House of God. I mean, they they may he may not have made them up um but they were very much popularized um by that book definitely um, on my uh interview season reading list yeah i think it's a good idea 
I think it's a good idea. It's a little dark, but it's, you know, it's a dark satire. Oh, I love a dark sa- yeah, satire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aren't the first two seasons of Scrubs based off of it? Uh, yeah, in fact, um, from what I've... From what I remember, uh, what's Dr. Kelso? No, who's the, uh, who's the, who's the, uh, the, the... Dr. Cox? Dr. Cox. Cox yeah. um, spouts the a really lot of... The really mean uh, guy. <laughs> yeah, the real mean guy. He spouts a lot of uh, things from um, from that book. Oh, then I've basically read the book like 10 times. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, though, Scrubs is one of the better medical shows out there. Absolutely. Yeah, I think Dr. Mike Pretty is spot on. What's up, Maddie? Sorry. I, I said, I think that's one that Dr. Mike uh, reacted to. I don't remember if he said it was good or not, but I trust him. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, apparently it's pretty true to life as a resident. I've heard multiple residents say, like, yeah, that's exactly. I mean, it's a little cartoonish, but for the most part, like, the morals are pretty spot on. Let's see if your scientific minds can suss out these weird these bits of weird research I found. Um, fill in the blanks, and I'll I'll let you cogitate, and then um, and then you can raise your hand if you think you have the right the right answer. Okay. All right. Um, this research in the journal, and these could be words or phrases, by the way. Uh, the this research in the Journal of Experimental Biology found that just as in humans, cocaine affects blank who blank more often and more vigorously under the influence. Wide open here. Can can we guess one part, or do we have to guess it all? I, this isn't like step one. I mean, <laughs> I'm open to many things happening. Okay, well, right, I feel right like now. I feel like it's pigeons. Okay. The, the cocaine affects the pigeons, like and what are they humans. D- what do they do? What was the last part of the phrase? Uh, they blank more often and more vigorously. <laughs> <laughs> Maddie, um. Maddie. <laughs> I, I have a non-racy guess I'd like to suggest. Go ahead. They bathe more often and more vigorously. <laughs> Does that, oh, I like it. Do, do yeah. people bathe more often on on, uh, uh, on cocaine? Is that is that a known effect of cocaine? Like, I'm going to get my They'll do anything more often and more vigorously on <laughs> cocaine. But I'm, spe- I'm specifically thinking of birds and bird baths, if I'm being honest. Bird and baths. And fountains. I'm yeah. trying to imagine vigorous bathing. Yeah. Oh, I can see it. I... Imagining it very clearly, but I think it's going to be eating popcorn. Okay, AJ, any 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 thoughts about any any alternatives you want to put forward to this theory? These are a lot more wholesome than what I came up with. Yeah, we know. <laughs> we know. I kind of set you up for that. All right. Uh, yeah, I'll give you the answer. Uh, it's bees. Okay. And they dance. Oh. More often and more vigorously wow. on, on the drug. Researchers studied the effects of cocaine on bees because they were puzzled as to how such an addictive drug can also be a natural insecticide for the coca plant. The usual explanation is that it has a different effect in mammalian nervous systems than in invertebrates. Uh, but the results suggest that it might not be true, as little as little guys apparently become prone to overestimating the value of the nectar they've found while foraging. And you know the little dance that they do—that's like that tells you how I'm shaking my butt. You can't see I'm shaking my butt. Um, that tells you that tells the other bees uh, how good the source is of the nectar that they found, and in what and the direction that they wave their little butts at. That tells them where. Uh, that tells them the direction to fly. Um, also, they in- exhibited an increased tendency to immediately drive across country on a drug-fueled sex bench. <laughs> <laughs> they went to more rock and roll for. concerts as a result of their yeah. cocaine use. Yeah. Or as it's also known, Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Sex, bugs, and rock and roll. Ah. A breakthrough study from Malaysia found that mosquitoes reduce the foraging, host attacking, and copulation activities. AJ. <laughs> of the. Of the. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce this. Aedes aegypti mosquito in response to what? You nailed that pronunciation. Did I? Yeah. I'm getting good at this. I still can't pronounce y'all's names well. <laughs> Wait, I think I, I think I've read this title. Okay, well, hold it. Okay, hold it to yourself. Can you say it again, please, Dave? A breakthrough study from Malaysia. I don't know if it's a breakthrough. A study from Malaysia. I just like I throw around the word breakthrough like any journalist. Uh, a breakthrough study from Malaysia found that mosquitoes reduce the foraging, host attacking, and copulation activities of the Aedes aegypti mosquito in response to what? I'll get. This is a phrase. Jazz hands. <laughs> that would be amazing. That would be amazing to be the uh, research assistant for that. You'd be like, um, all right. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to do jazz hands with these mosquitoes and see if they see if they boink. <laughs> oh gosh um all right i'll give you a hint it's a piece of culture dancing okay <laughs> mm -hmm. okay yogurt not <laughs> not that sort of culture i had to be the dad here and make that joke sorry a piece of popular culture okay um lady gaga music videos uh, that's as good a guess as any i think uh did you do you do you know the answer do you think, AJ? Now I'm starting to doubt myself, so I'm just going to go with Nickelback. <sighs> That's a good one. <laughs> it's a good one. It's not right. It's the Skrillex song, Scary Monsters and Nice Sprites. Oh, <laughs> that was my next guess. Yes. A direct quote. Females entertained with music attacked hosts much later than their non-entertained peers. <laughs> it's a little bit of anthropomorphism on the part of the study authors. <laughs> Uh, and adult mozzies were much less likely to make sweet bug love than their peers not listening to Skrillex. Uh, the music was chosen for its loudness and pitch. Um, so, you know, that's an idea for your next Iowa barbecue during our traditional two weeks of spring. Uh, Skrillex himself, after a couple of days of hearing about it on Twitter, tweeted, no more mosquitoes, man. <laughs> so there you go. Mm, uh, yeah, I don't know if you're not familiar with Skrillex. If you're not familiar with Skr Skrillex, which... I admit that I wasn't. Um, did, did you guys? That shocks me that you were not aware of Skrillex. I mean, I knew of Skrillex, and I knew generally that it was, you know, sort of uh, dubstep electronica. But I, you know, I went and listened to it, and it, I, if I was a mosquito, I would be pissed off. <laughs> and I like electronic music to, to to some extent, you know, like, but would you know for like an hour would definitely put me off my my feed. <laughs> All right. A 2016 study in human nature suggests that the human preference for blank is exactly the same as it is for chickens. Why does it feel like we're playing cards against humanity? I was just going to say, I'm playing this like we're playing cards against humanity. Okay. Our pre human preference for blank is the same as for chickens. So like the chickens have the same preference? Yes. Or we, we have a preference for this like we prefer chicken no, to they're, they're, other <laughs> Like poultries. we prefer chicken to say duck. <laughs> um, no, it's the, you know, the chickens prefer the same things that humans prefer. Okay, okay. Um, I'm going to say a warm hug. <laughs> okay. I like it. That's that's nice. Yeah. I have a friend who really is into chickens. Home, you know, <laughs> having chickens. She has chickens. Yeah. Levi, any, has there any guesses? I was going to say, like, um, nesting in an enclosed space. Okay. 
Interesting. Aline? No clue. No clue. Come on. Got to hazard a guess. Are you a chicken? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Cannibalism. Okay. Chickens are. Chickens can be vicious. They are dinosaurs, after all. Right. AJ, what do you think? She she took my guess. I was going to say chicken. Mm, Okay. (laughs) Uh, No, the the answer is attractive human faces. Oh. Uh, That was just, that was too... Too easy. So that's why they run away. Researchers researchers trained chickens to peck either to an average human female face or an average human male face, but not both. I don't know why that's important. They also checked with university students on their preferences for faces. The chickens showed the same preferences as humans, pecking the attractive faces more than the unattractive faces, um, as judged by humans, suggesting that the human preference for attractiveness comes from general properties of nervous systems, not from the faces themselves. That's interesting. Have you guys seen those videos where people like Photoshop faces into the perfect face? Yeah. And I think that was it was sort of a similar idea was they did this averaging of human faces. I saw one yesterday where they did Shrek. <laughs> it was horrible. It Shrek's was horrifying. Perfect. <laughs> they did. Sh- they did. Did they do all the faces in Shrek? No, just Shrek. So how do you do? Adam? Like they took Shrek's face and then they made Shrek's face into like the perfect face. Oh. They like did some magic. I don't know how they did it. Oh. How do you? And he looked kind of yeah. like he looked kind of like handsome Squidward. <laughs> <laughs> he was as unsettling as handsome Squidward for sure. Okay. Um, in 2019, a plus one study suggested that more emojis, that the more emojis you use with potential romantic partners, the more blank, the, the more, wait, something's, something's missing. Uh, a plus one study suggests that the more emojis you use with potential romantic partners, the more you blank, the more you get left on red. Mm, okay. 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 No, I think that it's the other way around. I think you get more dates when okay. you do that. All right. Can't relate. I'm sad. <laughs> I would say. Uh, <laughs> well, we're getting raw the, yeah, today. The, the on, more date, the more dates you go on. The more dates. Okay. Aline, do you agree? What was the question? <laughs> I'm sorry. I was I was laughing. I was being entertained by your show, so you can't be mad at me. Okay. The, uh, uh, plus one study suggests that the more emojis you use with potential romantic partners, the more you blank. I think it's negative. I think you, um, I think it's a sign of, uh, it's, it's like the, it's like the writing version of showing your teeth to a new person. Like it's a, I think it's by like evolutionarily probably a sign of weakness. If you over emoji, <laughs> you don't show your teeth. You mean like that when the yeah, chips, yeah. when chips show their teeth, it's like a sign of aggression. It's not smiling when you yeah, use emojis, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you use emojis, it's like it says something horrible about you. Like, yeah, it's a maybe I don't, I don't want to say weakness because I don't want to offend like the hundred percent of people everywhere. But <laughs> I, I think it's something negative. I think it's a it's a negative signal. I don't think it's okay. I think it's something positive. Okay. I'm I'm gonna admit to being on the apps, the dating apps, you know. Yeah. And are I, you an emoji user? I depends, right? You have to Google should I use an emoji or not. <laughs> you do? No. But <laughs> you, I have Googled like, you know, like conversation starters, you know? Yeah. And I, I think I read somewhere that you're more likely to get a response if you use an emoji when you're a female. Yeah. I think, you know, okay, well, we'll talk about that. But the right answer is uh, you'll have more sex. You'll have more dates and you'll have more sex. 
All right. See, so, I think right. it was a positive thing. Uh, emojis, right, well, they say, you, convey no, important... Yeah. Emojis, they say, convey important affective information to potential partners and their use is associated with maintaining connections beyond the first date. So that eggplant is good for something. <laughs> 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 that's the thing. That's the thing about emojis. I have two problems with emojis. Number one is um, they're usually so small that I'm not entirely sure what exactly they're depicting. I don't have them all. I don't have them all memorized. And that could be just a function of like having 50 year old eyeballs. Um, but the other problem is, is that they, they have all of these meanings that aren't necessarily what their intenders or their creators intended, right? Also, you not intuitive like, always. I, I know what I sound like. You kind of sound like those like... Uh, grandpa. I sound like lingo, grandpa. Lingo dictionaries that old people make, you know, where it's like, <laughs> these are the things you need to know to decipher the texts that your teens That your are children sending. are sending, right. Yeah. We've gone back to using hieroglyphics. I, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's true though. Yeah, I mean, I, I get where you're coming from. Uh, I, you know, because here's the thing: like, if I'm if I'm like on if I'm like uh, texting with somebody and I have this urge to use an emoji, um, I don't want to be misinterpreted. Yeah. Right. I have seen like when people accidentally use <laughs> the crying laughing face as like a crying face. Yeah. When someone's like relative dies. Yeah, yeah. It's so. Yeah, I see what you're saying. <laughs> I mean, they're so, they're sometimes they're very small. There's some nuance involved in emoji use. And when you go to pick them from the menu, I mean, Dave just types out fire emoji, fire emoji, (laughs) fire emoji. It's, that's, that's a pretty safe one. Yeah. (laughs) How about this? Are you supposed to use the red heart or the yellow heart or the blue heart? I use purple. I didn't even know there was a purple one, but (laughs) the point is like, it does a red heart send, you know, like romantic. Uh, is there a romantic connotation there? No, it's not that deep. No. Blue Heart's cyanotic. That's bad. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts on the exactly. upside down smile emoji? I love it. Uh, why, why is there an upside down smile emoji? What is it? I mean, there, you it's know. I would use that like when something happened that was like uncomfortable. Uh, uh, like you were just in a really uncomfortable situation. Really? Uncomfortable or uh, upside down smiley face. Huh. Like, like being upside down. Huh. Okay. What if you want to symbolize that you're doing a handstand? Yeah. Well, that is then uncomfortable. Th- I think that would be appropriate. Mm, okay. I don't know. I see your point. There are there are nuances. Clearly, I need Maddie's master class. <laughs> in emojis. In emoji use. So there's right. an emojipedia, which I just discovered. Oh, okay. And uh, the upside down smiley face commonly conveys sarcasm, irony, humor, or silliness. It is frequently used as a playful indication of awkwardness, frustration, ambivalence, or bemused resignation as if saying, oh, well. There you go. That sounds about right. That's kind of what you said. That's kind of what I said. Absolutely. All right, last one. According to a Match.com study, blank users make better dates. Pain. Pain? Pain. Oh. (laughs) Pain. (laughs) Suddenly get a glimpse into Maddie. (laughs) Her whole thing. Uh, all right. Paying users? Paying users? Yeah, I think there's a free version, isn't there, of Match? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Uh, n- no, that's not quite where I was going. Okay. It's, a, it's a Match.com study, not necessarily of their use of Match.com. Okay. Can you repeat it then? A, according to a Match.com, we'll call it a marketing study. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's right. You know, they do these studies, right? Probably mostly to get a press release or something like that that they can put out that people will pay attention to. Uh, according to this study, blank users make better dates, make better people to date. 
<laughs> emoji users. Mm-hmm. I, well, depends on oh, your goals. Learning. Depends on your goals. <laughs> Blank users make. Elaine, have you ever dates. used a? Uh, have you guys ever used a dating app? Can I? Is I that, is, that interest- a, is that like a? Is that like a a, a bad question to ask people? Like before like, 1998, yeah, it would have been okay. weird. Because with the world I grew up in, like only weirdos dated on the internet. Because it was, yeah. it seemed like a good way to get killed fast. But, like, <laughs> but now it's totally. I, I would say the vast majority of people seem to meet online and like have produced some very happy marriages. So no, I don't think that's weird. Okay. I was uh, on Bumble for ten minutes in October of 2019. Yeah. What? And, why did uh, you? Why did you, uh, did you have some sort of like anti-Bumble reaction to it? To, to... No, I just, it was, uh, it felt like a job. <laughs> it felt like work. It felt, I don't know, like, uh, like I've never been, I've, I've, I've spent most of my adult life in long-term relationships. And when I was not in, re- when I was unattached in between, I don't want to say single because single implies that I wanted to be in a relationship. When I was unattached in between, I just kind of went about my daily life and I, I did stuff that was interesting to me and then I would become exposed to people who were like-minded in that way. And usually the people I'm in relationships with are I'm friends with first and then we date. So it was, I decided to try it and I didn't, it felt like an interview. I don't know. It felt like a, it felt like Amazon for people. I really, I, 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 I'll you go, you, so, so you went on a few, on a few dates nope. or you, okay. nope, did not even. Okay. I don't date. Aline doesn't date. Matt, Matt, Maddie, you've you've already admitted to uh, having profiles somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Have you have you used have you been on dates through these things? I have been on a few dates through these things. Okay. I they, agree with Aline though. Have Online they been fun? dating can be a lot of work. Sometimes they're fun. Sometimes okay. they're they're not. Just, okay. It's like normal dating. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, did did during these dates did you notice them using things <laughs> during these dates that might make them uh, uh, better? Oh, dating. I know where this is going. Okay, it's got to be either iPhone or Android users, huh? Oh, okay. All right. No. Oh, <laughs> damn. I was going to say Any humor. Other? Humor, okay. Like, funnier people definitely get more dates, I'm sure. Okay. That's, I don't know if I can classify myself as funny, but it definitely was not true for me. <laughs> um, uh, okay. You're married, so clearly you had a 100% success rate. True. Um, well, uh, no, <laughs> that's not how that works, Aline. <laughs> All right. Uh, here is the answer. Uh, napkin. Oh, napkin yeah. users. I guess as opposed to your sleeve. sleeve, sleeve I'm not really sure, but users of napkins. <laughs> users of napkins are 70 percent more likely to sit with you while you watch a bad TV show. 54 percent more likely to tolerate your mom and twice as likely to do a juice cleanse with you. Hang on. Are those actual results of the study? I don't know how these results <laughs> came about because they actually kind of make no sense. <laughs> I was going to say follow up question. I, I just want to know, like, who sees the question? Do you use a napkin and says no? Yeah. Are these self-reported? Yeah. Are these people who like fancy themselves napkin users or have they been empirically determined to be napkin users? Because those are very different things. They have some creep who just sits in the corner of the restaurant or bar and napkin, and, and then goes no home napkin? and finds out whether they watch TV with you. Or and you know now yeah. that I'm thinking about it, it's like would I consider myself a napkin user? No, but do I use napkins? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, sometimes well, when I need I, one. I'm trying to figure out what the alternative is because, yes, you can wipe your, a sleeve your user, mouth on I your suppose. sleeve or yeah. anything's a napkin if you're brave enough. <laughs> or, yes, your pant leg. But uh, bring I don't know why you would do that on a date. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Study seems off. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know how, well, we don't know how scientific lines? it really is, is what we're saying. Yeah. They're twice as likely to uh, join you on on a juice cleanse. When did that question come up? <laughs> I don't know. You didn't ask that on your first date? Maybe. You're right. Maybe. I mean, this could have come from a survey, right? Like, do you use a napkin? Yes or no? No, that's what I'm seeing. I'm would seeing you, a, a survey. Would you watch a terrible television show? Would you, you know... If your significant other wanted to watch it. Right. Yeah. Um, with a napkin. <laughs> would you make an if effort? If your partner was on a juice cleanse, would you do it with them? Yeah. The napkin one is really what's getting what's getting me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it does, it does yeah. signal good manners, right? Like someone with good table manners is probably going to be, I don't know, better adjusted or I'm not sure. Yeah, but think about this, though. Think about this. All of these things that they describe, watching a bad TV show with you, hanging out, tolerating your mom, um, doing a juice cleanse, all of these things are actually sort of negative uh, experiences when you think about it, you know, because you're, you know, like watching a bad TV show. Well, you know, it's bad television show. You'd rather watch a good television show. You like to make fun of the bad ones. (laughs) Tolerating your mom. I mean, that implies that your mom is somewhat intolerable. Um and then do a juice cleanse. Nobody wants to do a juice cleanse, do they? Does anybody's like, yeah, you, you know what? Juice cleanses are awesome. I want to do one. I think have I get it. Have you ever done a juice cleanse? I've never, I've never done a juice cleanse. Never. Have you? Have any, has anybody here ever done a juice cleanse? I don't even drink juice. I did a juice cleanse <laughs> once before surgery. AJ's uh, over here like, what even is juice? I don't what. <laughs> <laughs> I drink milk exclusively. Oh, Ew. a milk, a milk cleanse. <laughs> So do you also kill people in your spare time? Because that would also make sense if you... (laughs) (laughs) People who drink milk after 10 a.m. are probably cereal killers. I'm sure of it. I love milk. A lot of people have milk for dinner. I do eat a lot of cereal. I love milk. (laughs) I go to the... So, you know, I drink coffee and, you know, and I, and I, uh, you know, I brew, I cold brew my coffee because, you know, here at work because I don't want to pay Java House anymore and... Than uh, I have to, and um, but you know it's hard to find milk lately for some reason. I don't know if like cor- in the stores. Like if I go to like I I could bring some with me from home, but I won't do that because I'll forget. I'll leave it on the counter, and then it'll be you know before I go to work. So mm-hmm. when I you know I can I thought I could get milk at the EMRB cafe, oh, yeah. but they seem to be out of it lately. I don't know. It's like coronavirus's new shortage is you know two percent freaking milk. Um, mm-hmm. So I have to go to the counter and ask them for a cup of milk, which you're right, only like no adult human. Would you does like that. some I mean, you, blood you with that fun. too, sir? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it, that's just not. But so it feels a little awkward. But you know, I like milk in my coffee. Upside down. But I also, face. I also have been known to uh, just, just, you know, have a half a glass of milk. I like it. You know what? Good. So I, so I'm vegan, so I don't, I haven't had milk in a really long time, but oat milk. Wait, you're vegan? I, well, I shouldn't say that. Once in a while, a piece of cheese will sneak into my food and I didn't know it. So it's not my fault. So technically (laughs) still vegan, but oat milk fulfills the, like, if you, if you are interested, you should try oat milk. It's delicious and also like really good for you actually. So. But I get. I get. Oat milk seems like the bougiest 
of the non-milk. <laughs> What's that? I said oat milk seems like the bougiest of the non-milks. It's the fake milks. Of the non-milk milks. It's quite elegant. The non-milk milks. Yeah. It's more yeah. sustainable. My- um, yeah, yeah, I have heard that actually, and I do love that for oat milk. Yeah, my my son, uh, my son is part of his uh, his uh, tree nut allergy treatment. Uh, is now drinking like he, you know, used to be like fragments of nuts would be what he would take like every day, to, and now he drinks nut milks, which is a phrase I absolutely hate saying. <laughs> <laughs> I only... do not like saying to my son every day, take your nut milk. <laughs> I don't like it. The only thing worse is if you want to make your own nut milk at home, you have to get a nut bag. <laughs> yeah. 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 Only thing worse. Have you made Nobody nut, wants or, that. Have you ch- made your own oat milk, Aline? I tried. Um but there's something about there's something about the composition of oats that it gets really slimy when you start to like filter like so basically any of these like non-dairy milks are just like the thing that it's made of like whipped up in a high-speed blender with water and like maybe a couple other ingredients but that's basically how they make oat milk is they just they just take oats mix it with water and then filter out the oat fragments and then that's what it is but there's oats yeah, so there's something about commercial oat milk where they, I think they add something to take away the slime. Because when you start to squeeze, when you start to, I don't say, this is getting awkward. When you start to filter <laughs> your oat milk and you start putting pressure on the bag to get the milk out. It, mm. Yeah, when you, when you squeeze your, when you squeeze your bag <laughs> and it starts squirting out the, the stuff. Okay, okay. <laughs> I was trying so hard to be what? wholesome and it just got worse what? and worse. Yeah. It's all good. It's all good. So somehow they, the yeah, go ahead. No, it, it's slimy. It can be done. Yeah. A lot of people make their own cashew milk or their own rice milk and things like that. But you need like a very fancy, very high speed blender, like a Vitamix or something like that, which are like $300. Okay. But Well, the brand that, uh, that his allergist recommends, um, they, I think they, I, I think they've, I think their branding needs a little help because it's like instead of nut milk, it's milk to nuts. <laughs> uh, I don't like that either. I don't think there's any way around it. It's gonna be. Wait, what kind of nut does the milk? <laughs> <laughs> it's like M I L K E D. Milk nuts. I know. I mean, like, why don't you just call it almond milk or cashew milk or whatever kind of milk the nut is? That's a that's an excellent question that I would like to ask these people. Like, why does it have to be like, because they make a whole range and they want you to know that it's like this brand milked nuts. <laughs> you know, milk. I don't like it. Milk outside of milk has never been used in a good context. Like, like milking yeah. someone other one I don't money, like is, not good. Yeah. Yeah. Milking it for all it's worth. Breakfast is uh, just so wholesome that it. It neutralizes the grossness of the word milk. <laughs> and also the now association the with cereal milk. Now the word milk just sounds freaking hilarious. It's like moist. It's awful. Yeah. I hate it. Me- milk. <laughs> Muscle milk is the one is another brand that I would like to punch. <laughs> If it weren't for the fact that everybody who drinks muscle milk would probably pound it into the ground. At least that's... <laughs> they would punch you. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I was trying wow. to make that into a Yakov Smirnoff joke. I, no. Incredible. It worked. Successful. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
on that note, that's our show. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry for the last 10 minutes of the Jorko podcast. Uh, thank you, Aline, Levi, Maddie, AJ, for being your usual super cool co-host selves. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Uh, yeah. <laughs> thanks. It's been great. And what kind of utter moon calf would I be if I didn't thank you, Shortcoats, for making us a part of your week? If you're new here and you like what you heard today, subscribe to our show on whatever platform you like, wherever fine podcasts are available. I'm magnanimous in that way. I remind you that your questions are vital to this show because they mean it can be what you want it to be about. Send your questions and comments to the shortcoats at gmail.com where you can leave a message at 347-SHORTCT. We'll talk about it on the show. While your podcast app is open, we hope you'll be the kind of listener we're always grateful for. Give us some stars and a, a review and a review. Don't just hit those stars. That's the lazy part. I want a review like the one that uh, Sahana Nevada, Sahara Nevada did recently. She called it super fun and informative. Thank you, Sahara Nevada. The show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine Student Government and ongoing support from the Writing and Humanities program. Our music is by Dr. Vox and Catmosphere. Talk to you in one week. 